heavily said. The boogeyman's under my bed. The voices all in my head. They kill my son, now I'm dead. My girl beside me in bed. She placed her hand on my head. I spoke to the devil, he said. I spoke to the devil, he said. The cupboard of chocolate pills. You'll never get signed to a deal. Your hustle will never pay off. You'll never be your own boss. You'll never shine like you should. Hard work, it doesn't pay off. It pays if you suck them off. It pays the salad you toss. Your pride is stupid for that. Go ahead, you just be a rat. Step over your brother's back. Just fake like you got his back. Just fake like you really care. Just leave your girl in her chair. Just leave your kid at the stairs. The game is yours if you dare. I spoke to the devil, he said. The boogeyman's under my bed. The voice is all in my head. They kill my son, I'm dead. What up, guys? Back in business. Trill Talk MMA for you. The Not in the know. Trill Real truth and one, the game missed us. All the reporters are fanboys. All the fighters are fanboys. So we coming out here to give you that trill shit. One of your hosts, Fallen Angel, Mr. Bate Bate Chocolate, Greg Blackson, and my man, Dan Rose. This is the, we redoing it. This is the new episode one. Starting off with tonight, my man, UFC 241. Yeah, no doubt. I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to be doing this. It's been a minute since I've uh, been on a podcast. I uh, honestly wish we had some better news at the end of uh, UFC 241, but it is what it is. We'll do our best to uh, recap the show and then get into some news. It was depressing, wasn't it? It was super depressing. (laughs) It was depressing. Oh, and people. Just in case, because we know some of you guys cut out early, you could check out all my social media at Fall Ninja 510. That's including PlayStation. That's including Patreon, SoundCloud, everything. Just put out a new music video, YouTube. And my man, give them your, give them your, your social media. You can, you can find me on social media at Dan Rose MMA. Um, Instagram, Twitter, all that. It's, it's all Dan Rose MMA. And you can also find us our show at Trill Talk MMA. So yes, make sure sir. you give us a follow. Okay, I know you might not want to talk about this because we're jumping right into UFC 241, people. It just ended. You might not want to talk about this fight, but I have something to say. Derek Brunson versus Ian Heinz, or however you say his last name. Yeah. Okay. Here's my thing why I want to talk about this fight. Because there's two things that bother me. Ian, this man was talking about how Derek Brunson lost to another man and he needed to get revenge on him for that. What's, go- what's going on with these guys in the game, Dan? How do you, how does a man lose to a man and you want to get that man for losing to a man and then you lose to that man? Yeah, that is some MMA math that uh, doesn't quite add up. That is ridiculous is what that is. I've never wanted in my life as a man, like, hey, this dude going through some bad shit. Let me hate on him. Let me hate on him for that. You know, it. that's why Nate Diaz, you know, shout out to my boy Nate Diaz. I've known him for like a million years. But that's why people love him in the game because you just don't get no real shit from these fighters anymore. You know, I don't know what's, what's going on. But Derek Brunson, I'm watching this guy. And this is a problem I've had for a long time with the sport is like these coaches aren't honest, you know, like I feel like these coaches, if you listen to a lot of the corners, aren't honest with who won the round, how the fighter is actually doing or even honest 
but you know, like if you look at old school, like boxing coaches, I use for example Eddie Futch, you know, Emmanuel Stewart, Customato, uh, Mike Rooney. These guys, they were honest. Like, hey, you need to fix this. Are you fucking up here? Are you doing this? And Derek Brunson is striking to get kicked in the head for the 88th time, and like his hands are always down there. So I feel like this guy, and he's from North Carolina. I got family from there, so I'm like, come on, man. I feel like these coaches need to just be honest with these fighters, or else these fighters already, it's, nothing's going to change. And I just want to bring that up because it bothers me. It bothers me, Dan. It should bother you. That's a good point. I mean, you, you, these guys aren't. You don't pay them to be your friends. You pay them to, you pay them to be your coaches, and you pay them to help you through fights and through things that you might not be seeing in the cage yourself. And when you get done with a round that obviously didn't go your way and they're telling you you followed the game plan perfectly and stick to it, and I mean, you're not paying these guys to get good news. You're paying them to get the truth. Yeah. Well, you know, do you feel it's the coaches or the fighters? Because I feel like, you know, these, this is how these coaches make their money, and fighters are obviously egotistical. So do you feel like maybe they, some of them aren't saying it to protect their job? Like, man, if I tell this guy the truth, he needs to work on this or that they fire me. Like, what do you think the problem I, is? I think there's some of that. I think that especially when you have a fighter that's recently switched camps, like Derek Brunson is, this was his second camp, I think, with his new team. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of familiarity there yet. There's not a lot of just how honest can I be with this guy? You know, what's his reaction going to be if I tell him, hey, you're in there fucking it up? You know, so it's, yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's some of it. And dude, you know as much as anybody, some of these fighters have some pretty pretty fragile egos. They do. You got to be they careful do. with them. So it's if I'm a fighter, I want the truth. I want to, I want a coach that's honest with me and that can give me the the knowledge to go forward and to execute a game plan that's going to get me a victory. Because at the end of the day, you don't get your money if you don't get your victory. So I want that, someone that's going to help me. That's true. You know what? You made a good point. With somebody, I guess with somebody like Brunson switching camp, you do have to take that time to get familiar with him. But the other guys who have been with guys a long time and not doing it, I feel like it's inexcusable. And I'm about to, I'm about to give anybody that's going to listen to this the inside scoop. Most don't know this, but women have periods one time a month, and most of these fighters have periods two times a month, Dan. That's the inside <laughs> scoop right there, my man, because I didn't see a lot of these fighters, and I know many, Bellator, UFC, 1FC, uh, KSW. I, I know guys from every sport at all levels, and these guys be having periods two times a month, man. So maybe you, maybe I understand these coaches just like, you know, I've seen some actually where people try to tell them, and this is including teammates, friends, family, and they don't listen. And now people are kind of like, fuck it, do what you do then, whatever, just give me my money, you know? Yeah. So. It's, it's a, a it, it's, it's hilarious. It's a, it's an important relationship you have to have with your coach and your trainers and everything. And I mean, Derek Brunson's an example. He lost a couple fights in the first round, back to back knockouts. And uh, now he's got two wins in a row. And the one thing I can say about his new coaches or whoever's helping him now is he's definitely fighting smarter than he used to. Yeah. He's at hard knocks, uh, 365, Florida. Uh, that's Wichamacala, Jim, the Dutch guy. Yeah. Um, oh, Jesus. Henry Hoof. Hoof, yeah. Yeah. He's definitely got him fighting smarter and conserving his energy. You're not seeing him get tired like you used to see. And uh, I think it's as – I mean, I don't know Henry, obviously, but I've, I've heard some of the, the fighters that have trained with him, and I think he's going to give it to you straight. I don't think he's going to candy coat a whole lot. 
But, uh, I mean, it's, it's a new relationship, so it's gonna take some time, I think, but I think that at least he's going in the right direction. But yeah, yeah. as far as Ian Heinish, I have no idea what the hell that guy's talking about getting revenge on somebody for losing the fight to somebody else. He and said it was because he embarrassed fight. wrestlers. Yeah, he said it was because he embarrassed wrestlers, and then he went out there and couldn't even wrestle the guy who's wrestling. He was down talking. So yeah, he it, packed he packed seven minutes of gas for a fifteen minute trip, and that didn't work out too well. I want to know why his head looked like the old He Man action figure that I had when I was a kid. That's something that I want somebody. You know, at some point on Instagram or Twitter to just answer that question. Well, there you go, man. Hit us up on Trill Talking to Man. Let, <laughs> let my god Dom know why does his head look like He-Man action figure. I know what you want to talk about, though. You want to talk about the big three. Yeah, let's get after the big three. All Although right. I will say this, not counting the big three, that uh, Yusef fight with uh, Benitez, it was nice to see Yusef get out there and, and do what he does well and, and get a stoppage victory in the first round. So yeah. I'm going to save something for that fight for when we talk about the DC fight that just came to mind. All right, let's get it then. Let's start with uh, Paulo Costa and uh, Yoel Romero. Okay, you started off, my man. First of all, these two guys are like made of granite. They don't look human. They don't look – I don't know how either one of them gets past USADA, but I'll tell you. They absolutely stood in front of each other and slugged it out for 15 minutes and – in my opinion, it was clear, clearly the fight of the night. Yes. And, I mean, I I was happy to see that Paulo Costa won. It was one of, like, the only two fights I got right on the whole card, he and Diaz. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a great fight. I thought it was – I was interested to see Costa actually stand in front of Romero, walk him down, put him against the cage, things that we haven't seen done to Romero before, so – it, it was a fight that I was looking forward to on paper probably more than any other fight on the card, and it delivered. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, Romero gets past Usada by God. So let's, <sighs> clear, that, let's clear that up <laughs> now. That's a good point. Costa, on the other hand, I don't know how he gets past Usada. You know, you and I, you know, for anybody that will listen, uh, Dan and I were watching the UFC together, and I told him, like me, I watch all the shows, like a lot of the guys big now, Khabib, even when GSP was there, Cairo, uh, Diaz brothers, I was watching a lot of the famous people now before they ever got to UFC, including Paulo Costa. And he was small. And then I see him get to the UFC and he's medium. And then like three fights into the UFC, he's large. And then he fights Yoel Romero and he like one of the monsters in, uh, the new Godzilla King of Monsters movie that came out. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I never thought I would see somebody dwarf Romero. Like, Romero was big, but then when Costa was walking him down, he just looked so much wider. And I'm like, holy shit. And as far as that fight goes, in my mind, I had Romero, if he utilized his wrestling with the strike, and he won. And I didn't think it would be that hard. If he just struck with Paulo Costa, I am losing, which is what happened. You know, with a guy like Paulo Costa, the guy, he's he's like a puncher, you know, is what they were calling in boxing, where it's not the brawler and, and they don't have the boxing technique of the boxer, but they're right in the middle. They have enough technique, but then enough, it's like the bully boxer. And you you everybody knows with a guy like that, you have to walk them down. You can't be walked down. And he let, Romero let him walk him down, which I never thought 
I would see ever. Yeah. Which brings up the other point you and I spoke about. I want to hear your thoughts on is what, why do you feel so many of these guys that start these wrestlers transition to MMA and they use the wrestling and they do well and then they get a knockout or two in Ramil's case, many, I give them that and they fall in love with it and get away from the wrestling Johnny Hendricks and Koscheck being the best two cases. Like what's your thoughts on why you feel this occurs? I, I honest to goodness, I wish I knew in terms of all of the, uh, all of the, the different disciplines that go into to mixed martial arts. Wrestling, I still think, is the best base to have. I think it's the most dominant base. And it just amazes me when these guys who've been wrestling since they were 10 years old, and I'm talking about like elite-level Olympic-type wrestlers, all of a sudden get in a gym where they start throwing hands more, and then they get a knockout, and all of a sudden they're in love with their hands, and, and they get away from uh, their wrestling. And I don't know why that happens. I, I can only assume it's like we said, they're falling in love with their hands. But it's it just doesn't make any sense to me. And we saw it tonight. We'll get to it in, in a little bit later. But we saw it happen in the in the main event tonight, from round to round. You know. Yeah. So yeah, was- I, I I honestly don't know what the answer to that question is. I think it's just uh, part of it. I think might be indicative of the UFC. Um, Always pushing for the most exciting finishes, giving the bonuses for the exciting fights, not really being fans of the guys who you see it on Dana White's contender series. The guy that makes a dominant yeah. three round decision doesn't get a contract. Brendan Logan, yeah, yeah, but the yeah. guy that throws caution to the wind and happens to land the knee gets the contract. And I think these guys feel pressure to to increase their their paydays and to increase their notoriety and their and their stardom with the fans. It's they get away from what gets them victories and instead they try to do what wins them more fans and, and, and you know, succession then gets them more money with the UFC. Yeah. You know, I feel, you know, from a fighter's perspective, I feel like I, I think that part of it is what you said. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think behind the scenes, it starts in a training room. Like one thing that AKA did and this is way back when Fitch was the uh, the head captain before uh, Cormier. You know, shout out to AK. That's the my my first MMA gym. And uh, is they started a wrestling class for the fighters where there ain't no like submissions and punching and this and it's just straight wrestling. And I feel like that's actually needed. And another thing is with MMA fighters, like, you know, me, I come from a boxing background, moved to kickboxing and moved to MMA. And in boxing, we drill, 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 drill. In kickboxing, drill, 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 drill. In MMA, the biggest shock to me when I first went to MMA is there was, like, no drilling. It was just live goes. Like, go, go, go. And if you look at wrestling, Russia's been the most dominant in wrestling for years and years and years. And if you look at the coach – from the uh that trains the olympic team he said that like 90 percent of their training is consistent drilling and look at how dominant they are in 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 the field and in mma they get away from that so it's like you're gonna do in a fight some of what you do in training because people talk like oh you do everything you do in training that's not true i know some people are shit in training and and they step it up like to a new level in camp and other guys that are 
I remember Mike Van Arsdale I used for an example. I remember he would walk in the AK training once a week and maul everybody, and then he could not put it together in a fight. Yeah. But you have to at least drill these things to muscle memory so you can bring out at least 50, 60% of it in a fight, you know? And if you're lucky more than that, and I feel like they get away from that, and, and there's no wrestling practices, and then the UFC is pressuring people, like you said, and it just it gets away from them. Like, Yoel, you see he, he shot the double leg, got it easy. Imagine if he was doing that the rest of the fight, and then he could have landed more strikes if a person's worried about a takedown. Absolutely. It, get, it gets them to where they can't set up. They're nervous all the time. It changes the way that they stand. It changes the way that they strike. And, and it's just weird because... If you wrestling and the one thing that I've always loved about watching wrestlers compete in MMA is wrestling when you're good at it and you understand the positions and everything else, it is the safest way to control a fighter without running the risk of being damaged. Yes. I mean, if you're a good stand up fighter, yeah, you can control the stand up, the distance, but you're always at risk. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. you have a if you have a guy down on the ground, you're in half mount or you know, you're in even in half, you know, if, if you're in, if past the guard at all, you're in a position where you do the damage and you're not as afraid of the damage being done to you. And if I'm a fighter and at the end of the day I'm trying to win fights, that's the position I want to be in. Yes, yes. Matt, old school Matt Hughes, um, GSP could be the perfect examples yes. of this. You know, like, and then the other thing, GSP bringing up what we were just talking about, he's a perfect example of why you utilizing all your tools is best. You know, because GSP, exactly. they have better wrestlers than him in UFC. They have better jujitsu guys. They have better strikers. But when he's going up, down, up, down, up, down, up, and you don't know what's going on, he would beat all these guys who were better in singular facets than him. You should, And he was intelligent enough never to get away from, it's called MMA. Yeah, he martial arts. That's the thing. That's why I consider him to be the best, because he never let anybody or anything dictate to him how the fight was going to go. He always fought the smartest fight for him to get the easiest path to victory. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I respect that about him. I don't I understand that there's pressure from the UFC on guys to be exciting and to take risks and do all that. But at the end of the day, your job as a fighter is to put wins in the bank and to take home your show money and your win money. If they're going to pay you in that in that manner, if yeah. they're going to have a show money and a, and a win money, then they should shut the hell up and not have anything to say about how you go about earning your, your money. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is despicable. The yeah, only combat sport that does that, even yeah. in the small little arenas in Thailand – and Cambodia and everywhere, you get your full pay. It's yeah. despicable for a, a billion-dollar <laughs> m- company. is is despicable, and they're and they're telling you to go in there and die. You know, like oh, go in there just bang it out, blah blah. If you look at Pride, here's the thing: Pride, you got your money straight up. So that's already going to change your mentality because you feel safe. Oh, I got my money. My family's cool. Let me go in there and do what I do. Then you're going to feel even safer to do what you do because it's like. If I win, they love me. If I lose, but I fight my ass off, they love me. Let me fight my ass off. My money's safe. My family's fed. You know, I I, I got money in the bank, and they're going to love me regardless. In the UFC, it's like, oh, you lost? Hey, fuck you, homie. Oh, you lost? Give me 50% of your money. Now go pay your coaches 10%. 
10 to 15 percent. Go pay your manager 10 to 20 percent, depending on if you're smart or not. Some of these kids getting 20 percent should never yeah. be over over 10 kids. And then go pay U.S. taxes half the time. And yes. if it's from another country, you got to pay the U.S. taxes and your country. What do they have left? Come on, man. Of course it's, you don't. You're gonna fight safe. It's not right. It's 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 not it's not a fair and equitable system. But the USC, I mean, the the whole the point that you're an independent contractor, yet you have contracts that stipulate certain terms, and and it, it, none of it is set up for the fighter. No, it, I mean, you talk about these these things that are coming out now with the lawsuit and the contracts and the way that fighters, if if you fought for the UFC and let's say you got an injury. They can extend your contract the amount of time for your injury. Yeah. And then if you're only out for two months but you don't fight again for nine months because they don't book you, they can extend your contract out for nine more months. Yeah. It's another way for a promoter to control an independent contractor. It flies completely in the face of everything that is supposed to be about being an independent contractor. I mean the independent contract, you are independent. That's fucking in the title. No, it's just they put – they're very good – at putting the correct words together when they need to to give an impression to people that something is happening that's never happened. Yeah, and now you look at uh, who Cat Zingano just got released by the UFC, and yeah. she came out and said that she didn't want to fucking follow their stipulation and their ultimatum and you know take another fight that she didn't want and whatever it was, and so she's gone now. Yeah, she's trying. She's she's in the middle of creating something to to, to have a stable life. For herself and, and 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 her family to be financially secure, because you know what I mean. If you if you're in the NFL, you could be sitting on the bench and you financially secure. In the UFC, most of these guys have to work jobs or create outside sources of revenue to to be secure with the top promotion in the world. You should be able to sit there with your wiener in your hand or your breast for a woman. And, and be financially secure with the top organization. That's like getting an NFL and having to work at McDonald's. Yeah, it's, what's, it's ridiculous. What's the point? I mean, yeah, do you no? see Mike Perry last week came out and said that uh, after the fight that he had and his nose was mangled like it was and all that, he has six dollars in the bank. Yeah, I'm, only... I'm in the I'm in the middle with Mike Perry though, because at the same time, as adults, we're responsible for our own actions. And Mike, I, number one, he should be paid millions, like all these guys are filming the UFC shit. What's the point of being in the big show and you're not? You know, number two, be financially responsible. Because when I look at Mike Perry, every time I like look at his Instagram or something like that, he's buying this or he got this designer outfit or this yeah. or that, and it's like, okay, cool, you're well, gonna that's... go broke. You're absolutely right. That's part of it. You have to be an adult and uh, manage your money and manage your finances, and that's yeah. up to you as an time, adult you should, to yeah, do. The UFC should be able to buy a few designer outfits at the same time. So yeah, it's, it's and the way he fights, yeah, and the way he fights and what he puts on the line for them and everything, dude. Fuck, him and man, Vince, uh, uh, what's his name, Vince Luke or however to say, uh, Vicente yeah. or whatever. Man, Luke, yeah. that fight. Was crazy, man. You get they should be getting like a half million dollar bonus for something like that. You know how many years that take off your career fight like that? That's crazy. I mean, and, for and, the fans, come on, yeah, man. It's bullshit. It's that's why for me, that's why I have a hard time with the UFC, and I have a hard time with fans who promote a promotion over the fighter. Yeah, you know, Dana White likes to say in MMA, you eat what you kill. You know, if if you want to make a lot of money, you have to go out there and be a showman and do all this. Well, what exactly is Dana White killing to eat like he eats? 
You know, he's he's living off of the performances of all of these guys. Dude, just answered it. He's killing the guys. That's exactly <laughs> you know, right. He's killing the guys. Dude, Dana White Tuesday night fucking uh, <laughs> fights. Dana White does spinny shit. Dana White uh, looking for a fight. What fight has Dana White ever looked for? I ain't shit. seen Dana White. No, I got to give it to him that one time he was going to box Tito. That was the only time he was looking for a fight. But it, it's like, man, why is his name in front of everything? Hey, guys, this is Dana White. Welcome to UFC. The commercials are him. Like, let me see a commercial on Demetrius Johnson or something like this dude that went through some real shit growing up. And I'll tell you like this. You want to talk pound for pound. Let's get on. Let's get on some real shit. It's Demetrius and uh, you got to put the four pound for pounds, Demetrius, GSP, John Jones, and Cormier. If you if you go pound for pound, those are the pound for pound guys. And you Absolutely. Know I mean? and, and, and the smartest guys to ever do it was DJ and GSP. Those are the smartest guys to ever do it. And and it's like, man, why can't I see commercials on these guys? But you yeah. want to promote John Jones and he out here running over pregnant women it, they letting this dude, they changing all the rules, letting this dude fight with steroids in the system like three fights in a row talking about it's a picogram. You know what I mean? Who care? If you if the police catch you with a picogram of cocaine in your system, you're still in trouble, you know? So <laughs> come on, man. It's bullshit. Yeah, but it we is. Get, we, we getting too far. So Paulo Costa and Romero Paulo Costa won. That goes to uh, Israel and... Whitaker, he's going to face the winner. How do you feel about that? I'm all for it. I like, I, we talked a little bit about this tonight. I like Whitaker. Um, I think that he and Costa is, is, would be a tremendous fight. I think Costa and Adzania, or Adzania would be a fun fight. I like Paulo Costa. He's undefeated. He's undefeated. He looks like a superhero. He has a rock'em sock'em mentality. I think a fight with he and Robert Whitaker would be a lot of fun. I think Robert Whitaker wins. But I think that it would be a lot of fun, and and that's a fight that, as a fan, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing down the line. Yeah, you know what's strange? I feel like Robert Whitaker matches up the best with them. I feel like he would beat, I feel like he would beat Israel, but lose to Whitaker. That's yeah. how I feel about Paulo Costa fighting. Yeah, I I agree with that too because Whitaker has a similar slugger stand in front of you, take some, give some. But the guy is just relentless. Whereas yeah. I think that uh, Costa's lack of having a tremendous speed and everything else would uh, would have him have some trouble with uh, Israel. But you know who knows? I, I do Israel. Got, he stood in front of Gastelum. Gastelum is my height, five nine. Yeah, and he had what a seven inch reach advantage or something, and he came out looking like. If you went to a campfire and began to roast the marshmallow and the bumps grew on it, you know how you put the marshmallow in the fire and it start to bubble up. <laughs> yeah, so man. imagine what, what Paulo Costa would land on him. Yeah, that would you be know? ugly. And Paulo Costa, you know, he could take those shots because look how he took. I never expected him to take Romero shots like that. Yeah, he took some heavy shots from Yoel. Yeah, man. yeah, dude. They call him the eraser. I'm like, man. Let me get some of that eraser juice that you own, man, because I don't even want to. I don't even want a job to look good no more. I just want what he on. He's on that Alistair Oberim horse, horse meat, man. Dude, he's on that special acai berry. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. There you go. 
You know, it's that shit like whatever is in that mushroom that makes Super Mario grow, he's on it. Well, more power to him, man. If he can look that way and get by USADA, then shit. You know, what are you going to say? He's he's a good looking, he's a good looking dude too. He could, you know, he needs to get his manager need to get him modeling in like Brazil and stuff. That dude, he can model. He, he ain't all beat up in the face. Good looking guy. He got the uh, Mario mushroom body. They need to uh, capitalize on that, and he ain't had his jaw broke fifty-five times like Luke Rocco. So yeah, and that's another, and that's a guy that the UFC is not doing a whole hell of a lot to promote. You know, yeah. Now, what did what have you seen, Paulo Costa from the UFC in terms Dude, of? Oh, he wasn't even in the embedded. Him and Romero. Yeah. I was looking for him in the embedded. I was like, man, where my where my Cuban do that? They didn't even put him in the embedded. You know, like, but they got Showtime in there with glasses on every single scene, like. Come on, yeah. man. Let's get some other dudes some shine. Let's not forget that Pettis was losing a bunch of fights before he won a few. And they yeah, never speaking stopped of own. Speaking of, let's get to him. Him and Nate. Oh, shit. I love oh, it. Oh, shit. You know I love it. Oh, hell yeah, you love it. You, I know you, you know, love it. You know I loved it. I loved it because, you know, I know Nate over a decade. You know what I mean? I used to be one of Nate's main training partners before he got in the UFC for Hermes Franca, WEC for you young young kids don't know about this shit, you know, and all that stuff. When he was first in the UFC fighting like Pellegrino and all them, I, I was training with him. And uh, so I was happy for him. I was scared. I was like, man, if he plays that long range and and he's getting kicked, he might lose this fight. If he's going forward, walking forward, walking him down, he'll win. And in the first round, you know, he was playing that long range. I didn't like it. And then he started going hands up, walking forward, and started putting it on Pettis. And I was like, cool. And Pettis, this is something that, this is what I'm talking about, how coaches got to be honest. Pettis, if you watch him versus Dos Anjos, you watch him versus Tony Ferguson, you 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 watch him versus uh, uh, Poirier, these guys. Pettis likes to play the fence. This is, as your coach, you got to say, hey, don't play defense. It's not your game. It doesn't, it doesn't work with these particular fighters, and it's not you. But you want to let him jump off the fence like the young Peter Parker in the movies, like kick Ben Henderson in the head, knock out uh, Stephen Thompson. So instead you're like, oh, it's wonderful. Do your thing. It ain't because that's one in a million. You've lost more playing defense than you've done spectacular things off defense. He's a guy. He needs space. And this is, and it starts with the coach. No, excuse me. It starts with yourself. I don't want to say the coaches first because I tell you like this. I've watched my losses literally hundreds of times. And that's even when I don't even fucking lose. I get ripped off. I still be like, man, why did I let it go to the decision to get ripped off? Let me watch. That's how I am. Only time I watch my wins is when friends are asking to watch it. You got to be honest with yourself first. Then your coach is getting paid X amount of dollars to be honest. He should have never been on that fence one time sparring nate i sparring nick and nate and, and i tell you like this it's not where you want to be i know that personally you and, know yeah especially and, if you're pettis and, and your tools are being dynamic striker yeah you know? and then he didn't do anything he should have because here's the thing nate's a southpaw right so kickboxing lesson for for somebody slash boxing lesson i stick with kickboxing lessons since you're a kicker the the right low kick the right body kick and the right high kick are the three main weapons of choice for to spar a southpaw, especially a boxer. You know, especially a boxer. And if you look at it, when did he ever do it? He never did it. Yeah. 
It makes no sense. It was the worst game plan ever. But I'm happy about it because he was getting beat up, you know? <laughs> I like we were, we were watching it. it. He just turns his back at one point. It's just like, all yeah. right, well. Yeah. Yeah, why did he turn his back, man? That's like some girl stuff, like when you're about to, you know, XX rate it on a girl, like, and they turn around, like, I'm like, come on, Pettis. He's talking all this stuff like, oh, it's beef, it's funk. I ain't letting it go, blah, blah, blah. This, this, that. I'm embarrassing. I don't know if you caught on this, Dan, but every single time he's talking like that, he loses. Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, I, I, for, he's a talented fighter and everything, but if you look at his last 10 fights, he's got more losses than wins. He's four and six in his last 10 fights. Yeah. And like his last eight fights, he goes, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. So it's yeah. not like the guy is some world beater. You know what I mean? He, he's a good it's, fighter who tends to quit when things get tough. Always. How many times have you said, oh, I broke my hand, and then after that they go check and it's not broke. I broke my rib, and they go check and it's not broke. You know what I mean? You better break my fucking soul before I quit. Yeah, that you guy know? breaks his own will, man. He breaks his own spirit. It's it's either in you or it's not in you. You're either the fighter that quits or you're the fighter that doesn't quit. And you're not, you're not going to see that shit from Diaz. You're Hell never going to see nah. Nate quit on the bench and say, oh, my hand hurts. Dude, and Diaz I, is like Zorro out of One Piece when he was just beat and he just stood there and said, hey, you taking me out with me facing you. I ain't getting no slash on my back. You yep. know, like that's, that's right. how Diaz is. Pettis, his back probably got hella slashes. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> <laughs> my dude slashed up looking like he out the movie Roots and shit. Like, oh. uh, <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. Come on, Pettis, don't do it again. And you remember when we were watching it, I told you, like, he quits. The next thing we know, he getting kneed in the head. And he, he turned in his back. Looking like he want to do, like, doggy style. I'm like, come on, man. Don't yeah, do it. he quit. That's for sure. And it's just like, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, too, but it's true. Why Nate Diaz is so popular, because he is 100% Nate Diaz all the fucking time. He's not Colby Covington putting on a show. He's not Chael Sonnen putting on a show. He is himself. He's the genuine article. And that's yeah. why people love and respect him. And that's why I love him. I, I, the Diaz brothers, as far as I'm concerned, are pure gold. Yeah, and uh, the, they deserve everything that they get in life that's good. And this is a, a, a thousand days the guy was out. And he comes back in and he stops Anthony Pettis. Or he doesn't stop him. But, well, he got a decision, but pretty much stopped him. And, uh, you know... He called out Masvidal, which would be an awesome hey, fight. Gangster shit. Yeah. Now, let's talk about that. And I got to give second credit to Leon Edwards. It's two people calling out Masvidal while everybody else don't want to touch that man. Shout out to Masvidal. I know that dude a million years, too. So I've always, always got love for the homie. But two people calling him out. And that's Diaz, Leon Edwards. So they both got, got thumbs up in my book. Everybody yeah. else don't want to touch that man, you know? And who can blame him? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's another guy who isn't cut from, who's cut from the same cloth. He's, he is a, the genuine article. He is himself. He's not putting on a show for anybody. And I like that, but you gotta respect that about him. And, uh, he and Nate Diaz, man. Wow. That's must see TV. That's gonna be good. I think it's gonna be Diaz versus Masvidal. 
and the winner of that gets the winner of Kobe, uh, Covington and Usman. And Dana White need to put me in there because it's uneven. He got Masvidal and Diaz. They're the only two gangsters up in there. He need me so it could be like a trinity. You know, he I like put, it. He need to put that. We need to build like the the pyramid shape, like Illuminati. You know, because the game ain't. <laughs> The game, man, is no personalities. I ain't with that, like, fake shit. Like, yeah, Donald Trump, blah, 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 this and that, and 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 Chell Sonnen. You know, I like Chell Sonnen, but don't be saying, you know, gangster. Chell Sonnen went to Oakland, saying he a gangster. He'll get, yeah. You know what I mean? He'll get ran it's, over. It's know? a hell of a lot easier to be a gangster from <laughs> West Lynn, yeah. Oregon, than it is from fucking Oakland, California. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's entertaining, but, man, he needs some more real people in there. Even Connor then fell off. Now Connor just – I used to like Connor before he got to the UFC. That's another guy I was following. And, you know, I was respecting him because he was just some dude that didn't have nothing. And he was like, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Then he got it, and it became a fucking act, and he a goddamn clown. And a jester, I'm like, man, you know, come on, man, put put me up in in that motherfucking. Let's see some uh, some some other shit. But we got Masvidal Diaz. I hope I hope that happens, man. I hope that happens. You know, that- you know, that, you know they're gonna make it. You know they're gonna leave out Leon Edwards. Look how long they left out Tony Ferguson, my dude on the 200 fight win streak, and still ain't got a title <laughs> shot. They don't care, man. I don't no. even know why they have rankings. They should just be like, hey, say some bullshit, and if the fans like it, you get a title shot. Like, I don't even know what Liz Carmouche, no disrespect, Liz. You know, I fought on the card with her down in Mexico a long time ago. That ain't even on my shirt, dog, like most of my shit. And, uh, you know, I respect the woman, but why would she fight Valentina Shevchenko? I don't even know how that happened. Like, they just do whatever they feel like doing. Yeah, that was an interesting deal. You know? So you know they're gonna leave out Leon Leon Edwards. Yeah, he's on the outside looking in for a while at yeah. least. Because like you said, they're gonna they're gonna take those four and then of course Usman and Covington. Covington and Usman will fight and then the winner will fight the winner of Masvidal and Diaz. So we're looking at at least you know, eighteen months to two years. Yeah. With yeah, Leon Edwards on the outside. Time. You know, Leon Edwards is probably gonna have to come back and fight uh, Tyron Woodley or someone like that. That I think that's what they'd do. That I think that's what they'd do. It'd be It'll be Covington. If things go right, nobody get injured. It'll be Covington and Usman. Masvidal Diaz get the winner of that. And then Leon Edwards uh, and Whitley get the winner of that. It's going to be some long, long shit like that. You know? I and completely we, we have a lot to catch up on because this is the first one and a lot of MMA news has happened. So let's get to that, to that uh, Covington. Dos, yeah, uh, dude. not Dos Anjos, uh Robbie Lawler. That was an, that was that? incredible performance. That's, in my opinion, that is the single best offensive performance I've ever seen a fighter have in the octagon. And that's coming from somebody that fucking hates Colby Covington's persona. <laughs> I like Colby Covington as the individual, the real Colby Covington. I saw a video of him the other day talk, talking to a young fighter who was just asking him for advice on the side of like a little event. And Colby was like, yeah, you know, he was 100% honest and genuine and true and not like a character or persona. And it was awesome to see. And the things he does to help out troops and that on his own dime and everything, awesome to see. But when he goes into that Colby Covington shtick, it's cringeworthy and I hate it. But there is no denying his abilities as a professional fighter. 
the guy can fucking go. Yeah. You know what? I told this to James a long time ago. So it was always the big three. And the big three I'm speaking of is Covington, Usman, and Woodley. And I told James that I had Usman beating Woodley because he's big, as big and strong, if not bigger and stronger, and he won't allow himself to get bullied. And if you study Woodley's history, anybody that does not get bullied by Woodley, Woodley loses to. Always, 100% of the time. The guys who go forward on them and don't let, let themselves get bullied, they beat them. You know, like Roy McDonald and uh, uh, Nate Marquardt, all these guys. And I was like, I have him beating Woodley, but I have Covington beating them both. Because the thing is, the best cardio, like people always talk about Usman having this cardio, but I, to me, I don't see it. Because if you take somebody down and you sit on top of them, you better not get tired, you know? Yeah. And so I don't see it. Covington, when I looked at him, this guy can can go. And it's like nobody acknowledged this for some odd reason until the uh, the uh, Lawler fight. But I look the at the evidence was there. Yeah, it, I look at things always because to me, fighting is anatomical and physiological chess. It's like metabolic chess. And this is from me studying my major in Duke. So I look at everything like that. And because a lot of people in my family are psychologists, too, so I'm always looking at things like this, like how the mind and body are going. And I was like, this dude has the best cardio of all of them. And he's seen, and, and as far as a lactic acid threshold, he's shown me the best. So from what I've seen out of him, he's going to get – he has the best cardio and the best muscular endurance of everybody and the highest output of everybody. And I always looked at it like that. And a long time ago, I told James, I was like, he'll beat, he'll beat both of those guys, you know, outside of an Aaron punch. And the Aaron punch is more likely to come from Woodley than it would Usman. And I think he's going to beat Usman. A lot of people think that he won't. I think I think that he, he will. I think he'll actually burn him out. And just because he's not as big and as buff looking, I don't think he's significantly weaker than that guy either. You know? Yeah, both, you know I, I honestly, and, and isn't me selling Colby Covington short at all. Because, like I said, even though I don't like the guy, I respect the shit out of him in the cage. I don't know if he beats Usman or not. I, I can see a path to victory for him for sure. But I also see a path to victory for Usman. I think that it's going to be a tremendous fight. The one thing I will say is I see more ways for Colby Covington to win than I see for Usman to win. Um, yeah. like you said, not counting, you know, the strike that lands that, you know, can end a fight in a, in a second. If you look at it like, practically what would happen over the course of five rounds between the two of them. I see more ways for Colby Covington to win that fight than I see for Usman. And I'll go on record as saying this. If Colby Covington beats Usman, I don't think there's a 170 or out there that beats him. I think that if he beats Usman, the best chance of him losing is Masvidal. See, I think that he beats Masvidal and, I think he meet. I think he beats Masvidal kind of easily. I like Masvidal and everything else, but I mean, Jorge is obviously on a big upsweep right now in his career and everything. But this is a guy that's lost to a lot of fighters. Yeah, he 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 has. But you know what? Sometimes when you turn that corner, you stay turned. And he seems that's to have, true. It happened seems, with Robbie Lawler, obviously. Yeah. If you if you look at him. 
Masvidal wasn't sleeping people like that. If you look at it, because, uh, you know, like I said, I know him, know him. Like, for real, and if you look at people now and then, and now it's just like, sleep, 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 sleep. And he look on, on. And it's just like he finally putting everything together. And I don't know if he would be coming. I think it's a hard fight. But I think it's a hard fight for both of them. And outside of Usman, like, I think Masvidal would be harder for him than Usman is. I think if Usman wins, it'd be because he's stronger and happen to be able to hold him down as well. And that, and, and I think that's the only way that Usman wins that fight, if he can bully him and hold him down. But who have you seen do that to Kobe? Mm, nobody. nobody. And then people would say, well, 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 Angel, who have you seen do that to Woodley? Well, nobody ever tried. And if you look at it, Woodley's a guy who's, his style is fast twitch. It's like, explode, stop, explode, stop. And he gets tired. Usman's not that explosive guy. He's the guy, the tensile strength guy. I got you against the cage. I'm going to yeah. pull you down, pull you down, pull you down. So I actually anticipated him being stronger and doing that to Woodley, which is why I picked him to beat Woodley way back before they even were announced to ever fight. When me and James were in that conversation and Kobe to beat both. Because Kobe seems to have like a better mixture of like fast and slow twitch like he can just go 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 and explode and go and, and pull and yank and everything and i i like the guy as a fighter you know what i mean so dude there's nothing to not like about him in the octagon as a fighter the yeah. guy is in my opinion and, and again i'm basing it mostly off of what i've seen in the robbie lawler fight and the dos Anjos fight and everything else there is nothing not to like in those two fights from colby covington in terms of being a, a professional mixed martial artist his yeah. cardio, his his wrestling, his stand up, everything. It's just it's amazing to watch. And as a performer, dude, hats off to Colby Covington. I absolutely love to see him fight. And his performance against Robbie Lawler, like I said, I've watched a lot of fucking fights in my life, and I don't know that I've ever seen an ad, as offensively a dominant performance. And dude, it reminded off. me of like the old Super Nintendo game. Killer Instinct. When it just goes ultra combo, <laughs> he was just going off on him. And Robbie Lawler was trying to shoulder roll. I'm like, dude, you can shoulder roll from like one or two shots, not from like 400. You got to get yeah. out of there. That dude. guy, yeah, Robbie Lawler looked absolutely clueless in that fight. And I think the reason is, is he, you can't anticipate the pressure, yeah, until you experience it. And and Colby says that it's like you think you're ready for this pressure. But until you experience this pressure, you don't know what the fuck this is. Yeah. And I think we saw that perfectly clear with Robbie Lawler, where he's like, what do you mean I don't know the pressure? Come on, I'm Robbie Lawler. I've been in with everybody. I'm a world champion, blah, blah, blah. And he had no answers for it. Nothing. No, it was crazy. And you know what? Another point, Usman beat all these people after Kobe beat him. Yes. And and Kobe, if you look at the common common opponents between Whitley, Kobe, and Usman, and I think Usman and Kobe have more than Kobe and Whitley off the top of my head because I think that they all fought Damian Maya, but I think that only Usman and Kobe fought RDA, and uh, Kobe beat them the the worse, yeah, worse than than Usman or, or Whitley. So that hey, you know what? Here's the thing you, about if you believe in MMA math, that is. <laughs> Yeah, here's the thing about Usman. I, I obviously was blown away by his performance with Woodley, but this is a guy that in his last three fights, he beat Woodley, uh, he beat Dos Anjos and Damian Maya all by decision. But before that, his fights were against guys like 
Emil Meek and Sergio Moraes. Dude, and he was scared of, dude, he was scared of Emil Meek. Yeah, it absolutely. Me of when, uh, I'm going old school here for everybody. It reminds me of, do you remember when Paul Daly fought Woodley in Strike Force and Woodley just hung on yeah, to his leg? Absolutely. For dude, that 100%. was the best to hang Woodley. And that's what it reminded me of. He was holding that dude for dear, like, there's a takedown and like, I got him down. Let me whoop that ass. And as much as I hate Matt Hughes as a person, I love how Matt Hughes, he put you down. He's like, hey, I'm a fuck you up. Dude, yeah. he was just holding them. He was like, I ain't trying to do nothing but let this 15 minutes run out. And I was like, I don't respect that, man. Like, yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, I don't respect and, that. And, like, Usman, he fought guys, you know, like, Worley Alves, Sean Strickland, Sergio Morace, Emil Meek. I mean, these are, are – they're good fighters, obviously. They're UFC-quality fighters. But the guy's – his strength of schedule – He's only got wins that I would consider quality, dominant wins, and not even dominant, but good, solid MMA wins over Maya and, and Dos Anjos before the Woodley I'm fight. Not impre- I'm, not even impre- I'm not impressed by any of the resume. And m- most people be like, uh, Dom, you a hater. No, Greg Blackson don't hate. I-, I look at it like this. If you look at his first matchups, the ones you mentioned, it's a fucking dominant wrestler versus strikers. All those guys are strikers. That's set up to be that way. Yes. You know, and then after that, you put him against Damian Maya when Woodley and, 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 and Covington both gave the blueprint that you use wrestling in reverse and you safe. So he had it the easiest with Maya. He had it the easiest. Yes. Because two others gave the blueprint. If it worked for Woodley, then it worked for Covington. Of course, it's going to work for you. And you bigger than both the, the, the latter. And then you got RDA who the blueprint has already been shown, he does not deal well with pressure wrestlers. He deals well with, like, I knew he would beat Kevin Lee because Kevin Lee was like, oh, I'm going to use my wrestling, blah, blah, blah. I sat here and I told Tree and I told James Heelan because Kevin Lee is the, the response type shooter or the outside shooter, and RDA does well against that. He doesn't do well against the kind that's like, oh, you got me against the fence, pulling me, tuck pushing me, pulling me, pushing me, pulling me, pushing me. He doesn't do well against that. And Covington showed that, and Usman did it after. You know, so I'm like, dude, you getting these guys. That's why when Covington tells him, like, oh, you got the, you got my sloppy seconds, it's a harsh truth. He did. You know, yeah. and I'm like, and I'm like, his whole resume doesn't even Im- impress me. And there's no disrespect to those people, but it's kind of just like Nate said about Connor. Connor, he was getting set up with dudes that I knew he would beat. Like when he fought, first of all, when he fought Eddie Alvarez and didn't even have to fight any of the murderers that I thought can beat Connor, I was like, dude, he's going to whoop Eddie Alvarez's ass. Just stylistically, I knew it. The fight never intrigued me. And when I see Woodley fight, nothing, he's never intrigued me because I expected him to win. Because, dude, he's fighting guys that's never been known for their takedown defense. And this dude's Nigerian. You see how big all them Nigerian boys are? They're big Man. boys. Dude, it was dudes up in Nigerians and Cameroonians up in the club in Bangkok that I was managing. And, and these dudes don't even work. And, I, and they're like, what's up, my brother? And, and honey. And they was feeling like Francis Ngannou. I was like, what the fuck? I'm in the gym and you harder than me, dude. It's just a genetic thing. And you got this dude fighting these strikers. Come on, man. The, the, the wool be over people's eyes. They need to analyze things as they are, you know? Well, that's but, the whole thing. I mean, most – and. I don't say this to be disrespectful, but 
a, a ton of the people who watch the UFC don't know what they're watching and don't don't know like the history of the sport and all of that and they only believe what they what they hear that that are said in the previews you know in the in the hype videos and stuff but i'm okay with that what i'm not okay with is that the reporters don't know what they're talking about the the fighters don't i've never seen reporters and fighters be fans like it's okay to be a fan of a fighter. I'm not saying you can't be, but like, you know, understand what I'm saying? Like fan fan, like where you're to the point of being like delusioned about shit. Your job is to report and you a fighter. So you need to be looking at somebody else like, Hey, this is what it is. But they be like fan fans. I'm like, come on, man. Quit swinging everybody nuts guys. Like, yeah, well in, in terms of the MMA media, it's a lot of it is basically they're beholden to the UFC and they can't, you know, they can't report what they feel is the truth. If they do, they get credentials pulled. They get blackballed by the UFC. The, the UFC PR people no longer direct their fighters to interviews with their sites and stuff. And it, you got to play the game if you're going to be on that level. But you yeah. shouldn't have to. It's horseshit. Yeah. And who did that happen to? Uh, Hawani, huh? Way well, Hawani got kicked out of a fucking event. <laughs> he was sitting cage side and they packed him up and which when uh michael bisbee beat uh luke rockhold uh ariel hawaii was outside he got kicked out of the arena because he reported the brock lesnar signing before the ufc ran their hype video about it that's cold blood i wish i could have seen it though <laughs> I remember when I met Errol Wani at a strike force like eight trillion years ago and I was like, Hey man, nice to meet you, blah blah, blah. and he acted stuck up and said I was gonna fucking uppercut his ass like Ryu did to Saget. And I was like, Man, I ain't cool with this dude and I don't I don't forget nothing like that. That's you know funny. what I mean? I don't forget nothing. You should just be cool to everybody. If I was ever a millionaire, I'm still gonna be the same the same OG, you know what I mean? Like the you thing is, it's okay. weird. And he was it's like big at the time when I met him. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about that is, it's like they kicked him out of the event for reporting the news. I mean, he's a fucking reporter. They they blackballed Josh Gross for how long now because he reported results from the Ultimate Fighter. It's news. It's already fucking happened. You know, <laughs> you're a reporter. Your job is to report on the news. You don't have to run everything by the UFC and say, hey, uh, is it okay if uh, I have this source that told me this and then I confirmed it with three other sources, but I don't want to say anything because it might offend you. Well, portion. That's not how it works. You get your source, you get confirmation, and you run the fucking story. And they flat out pulled that guy out of his seat and said, walk this way. Yeah, that's... You know, did, he report, did he report the tough results before anybody knew josh gross yeah he did yeah okay i, I can see them being kind of upset about that thing. i can see them being upset about it too but jesus christ uh what has it been a 10-year banishment from <laughs> i mean come on man dana white lost his shit on loretta hunt for something and you know it, it's just it's it's so petty he's so petty and he has such a a grudge you know he never lets shit go. He is like a woman in that sense. Dude, they all are. Dude. Okay, so let me tell a quick story, you know, so I could be angry again as I relive it. So <laughs> Ultimate Fighter Five, right? A lot of people don't know. It's one of my many ripoffs 
from the UFC, but I got hit up about Tough Five. But me and Nate were on the same team, and they were talking about, like, overtaking Nate for obvious reasons. He's Nick's uh, brother, and they're like, we don't want people on the same team, that, like, for this, because we don't want people saying they ain't finding the teammates, it's a show, blah, blah, blah. The next time we do lightweight season, we'll call you. So I never get called for the next lightweight season and stuff. Instead, they call me for tough, and I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah like excited to tell my family and everything and and it's for middleweight mm-hmm. and I said no so I end up getting a call I think later that day or the next day from Joe Silva and he's like you said no like I'm like yeah I, nah and he's like okay and it's just like this short like okay call and I'm like oh, alright I'm like but call me for the next lightweight See, okay so I never hear nothing. So I'm just dissed. They have the UFC up in Sacramento and shit like that. I see Joe Silva. I'm like, what up? He's like, what's up, Dominic? How you doing? Blah, blah, talking normal. I think it's cool. I'm like, man, get me up motherfucking in there. You got something in the Bay Area? You, I get more people in there than Uriah and everybody, you know, because, like, I'm from the hood. Let's go. And he's like, you turned down that tough. And, and he's just, I'm like, huh? And then he's like, yeah, why didn't you do it? I'm like, dude, I'm. If I do it, I want to win. I want to try to win. Middleweight is 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 too big. And at the time, I was like a lightweight weighing like 163 pounds. I was like skinny dude, like right by 55 at the time. Like now I'm bigger and cut. But he's like, well, Kenny Florian did it. I'm like, huh? The fuck that Kenny Florian got to do? How the fuck did that work out for Kenny Florian? Yeah, I'm like, that. what the fuck that got to do with me? I'm like, I ain't on there. And it's something I thought he would respect because I told him I'm not going to be on TV or fame or any of that. I'm going to try to really do this. It's my dream to really do this. And he's just like, oh, no, you turned it down. That's your chance. And, dude, for years, grudge against me. Years, man. So petty. They kept saying, hey, beat this dude. They said, beat Dave Kaplan. You, you win. I beat him. Nothing. Beat John Gunderson. You win. Beat him. Nothing. They were like, oh, uh, Tai Chi Palace was having a tournament. And win the tournament, you win. The the finals of the tournament was me and Fabricio Camoes. And Ed Soros, I know him. And he was like, hey, brother, Camoes, he's done his thing. We taking him out the tournament. It's yours. I want, I want you to that's yours. I want you to get your shine. And me and Ed Soros have had our ups and downs like the motherfucker open black house was supposed to let me go. Never fucking let me go and shit. We've had our ups and downs, but I never forget that moment when, and he took Kamoa's out the tournament. So I won the tournament. Never, they never let me in. And I'm like, dude, and they, they did that for years. It got all the way up from tough five to tough 22. When me and Joe Silva finally sat down and we reconciled that many years, dude. And we reconciled in person by ourselves, man to man. Hmm. And Joe Silva and and my boy Joey Varner, a lot of people don't know. They, I got put, I, I had no tryouts for uh, Tough 22. And I met Craig Polygman, whatever the hell his name is. And the dude talked to me and all those Spike TV people fucking loved me. They was like, you on the show. You won. First seed. Boom. Go get ready for the fights. And then a week before my fight, and I skipped fights in like cool countries I never been to, all this stuff. 
Spike TV call me and tell me that I'm not finding any more hang up, that I'm off the show. And it was Joe Silva that called me like, hey, you know, we cool now. And I, you deserve better. And they ain't even telling you. He's like, I fought for you. And it wasn't the UFC's decision. And he says that, like, Spike was getting pressured at the time because Abel Trillo and, and Anthony Johnson were in the UFC. And, they, you know, they both have cases of domestic violence. So yes. the uh, culinary was pressuring Spike and UFC to take these people out and don't let any more in. And they, and they kept pressuring Spike. And I'm a nobody to Spike. So rather than deal with the pressure, they just took me off. And it was because these people went all the way like a year back in my Instagram. And I was watching an anime called Fate Stay Night at the time, Unlimited Blade Works. And I was posting up images of this fight scene I liked of the female protagonist. And she was beat up and chained up. And they said I was an advocate of domestic violence. I shit what? you not. So they took me off the fucking show. And Joe Silver said he did everything to keep me keep me on there. So it's crazy like all these people grudges. and a month later they signed Cody East, a guy that got cases of domestic Fuck. violence, sodomy and everything else under the sun. Yeah, it's that's fucked up, man. They don't, they don't forget any they don't forget or forgive anything and the game is twisted. Cuz I have a million people always being like, "Why aren't you in the UFC? Why aren't you in the UFC?" But that's why. And then any other time they would say, "Oh, go go fight this person or stuff like Go beat Joe Daddy Stevenson, you in. After the time is now, go beat Joe Daddy Stevenson, you in. I, I, I did that dude up, never got in. And then after that, other times, like I fought Anderson Silva's top lightweight in Vegas with Dana White there to give a contract. And if you look in MMA, I got five losses. Four of them are bullshit. You know, I, people went to hospital and I'm standing there at the after party and I lost. And that's what happened when Anderson's guy and Dana White comes up. Man, you got ripped off. Everybody coming up. Man, you got ripped off. I said, give me the contract, homie. He was like, but you still lost. But I'm not giving it to him either. I said, I don't give a fuck about, I don't hate on no other man. Just give me my shit so my family can eat. So the game's fucked up, man. People don't know the inside, you know. And I know you know the inside better than most. But even you don't get to hear about shit like this, you know. And yeah, That's ridiculous, man. That's... Yeah. They don't forget anything, though, man. I had... I don't even know how many years that is from tough five to 22 before I can reconcile with a dude just because I don't want to fight two weight classes up. I didn't do any, even do anything. But imagine if you actually do something they don't like, like, like they really don't like, like reporting the news. They never, they never lend that man back in, you know, <laughs> that, yeah. they never lend that man back in. That's just it's, fucked up. It's crazy, dude. It's, it's a world gone mad. You know what else we need to touch on here real quick before we get going is Cyborg Santos and uh, her leaving the UFC and Dana White releasing her outright and saying that they're out of the cyborg business after she released her doctored footage of uh, the backstage conversation they had. So much drama. Dude, you know what? I was on her side. Like, I'm, I, I know her boyfriend, uh, Ray Elby. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ray need to give me some fucking fights, man. I don't, I don't trust nobody in May no more. But whatchamacallit, I know him and, and I, and I meet her when, I met her a few times when she come to Uket. The nicest, sweetest fucking woman ever. And I was on her side a hundred percent cause they treat that woman like shit. And tell, you know, cause we keeping it trill on here until <laughs> the video came out 
when I saw the video and it clearly was what he wasn't saying, when I watched it, I was like, oh, no. And yeah, then that, the next day I saw Misha Tate with an interview saying the same thing, like, oh, no. Then the next day I saw everybody else like, oh, no. Then like two days after that, they're like, we done. I'm like, dude, you you had everybody's empathy, rightfully so, and then you you do this? Yeah, you that shit looked like a, that looked like no a Godzilla man. movie, man. It did. It was like the old school Godzilla <laughs> movies, like, oh, no, it's Godzilla, and the mob's still moving. Yeah, the like, words and the lips were this. not matching up. You can't do that, man. So no. you know what? I, I was on her side, but now I'm more on his side because I would be mad. I always tell people, don't quote me, but don't put words in my fucking mouth. So that I tell people that. So I can't not be on Dana's side because I know it pisses me off if people put words in my mouth. Yeah, that's, you know, that's filthy. It, I think that before he let her go because she apologized, he should have said, come fucking meet me now. But, hey, I don't know if you heard about this. Dana White put out everywhere. I will give her a one fight contract for Amanda Nunes. She says she really wants this fight. And this is after the video. He put this out. She yeah. says she really wants this fight. I prove to you guys that she don't. I give her a one fight contract for, versus Amanda Nunes. Win or lose. We done after that. And it ain't signed. So to me, now I'm 100 percent on Dana's side, because if you're willing to do that, to prove your point that she didn't want to fight Nunes, now she has to take it. Because if she doesn't, it's, who do you think was telling the truth the whole time at that point? You know? Uh, see, I hear what you're saying, but I'm on the opposite side of the fence on that. Okay, let me let me hear. Let me hear. I'm There's curious. no What's such your- fucking thing as a one-fight contract with a championship fight. Because every contract has a built-in championship clause. If you get a one-fight contract... That's why she wouldn't fight Amanda Nunez on the last fight of her deal. Because mm-hmm. if she won that fight and became champion, there's a championship clause. She's yeah. under contract then at that point for another X amount of time. And if you think Dana White's going to let Chris Cyborg fight Amanda Nunez and then walk away from the UFC as the UFC champion and show up at Bellator with the belt on her shoulder, you're fucking crazy. That's never going to happen. There's always going to be... Something in the contract that says it's a one-fight contract with a championship clause in it. And here's the thing. I don't give a shit what anybody says on both sides of the deal. Chris Cyborg is not afraid of any fucking buddy. If she she would fight Amanda Nunez again, but she wants the deal to be right. She wants a new contract with championship money in place. If she doesn't get that, she's not going to take that fight. If Dana White would truly do what he said and say, here's a one-fight contract, win or lose, you're free to leave after this fight, then if she didn't take it, then sure, you might say, okay, well, she's ducking her. But you'll never know that because there's no such thing. There's always a championship clause. If, if yeah, but someone- see, we don't know, though. That's the crazy thing because, see, to, to play devil's advocate, I think that Dana White is so sure – you have to remember the man has ego. He I shouldn't be like this sure about it, he's though. He's so sure that she won't beat Nunes. I think he actually might give her that one fight deal. And did you hear what he was saying? Like, this is how shitty they treat that woman. That's why I'm saying He lost it. to Felicia Spencer, and I'm going to be real. Or, or Let me change that. I'm going to be real. After <laughs> she lost to Felicia, I mean, beat Felicia Spencer, who, you know what I mean? That's a tough woman. I, I, I like that woman, but... 
after she beat her, in my mind, I was like, if she had that same performance versus uh, Amanda Nunes, she would get knocked out again. But if I'm the promoter, why the fuck promoter? You know, pro. Exactly. <laughs> why am I going to be saying this about the person who just won? Who I'm, you know what I mean? That don't make sense. And he was out there saying it like, oh, we know if she fought Nunes like that, she would lose. And and here's the thing. I agree with him. But you ain't supposed to say that about a promoter, about an athlete who just won. But my point is, I feel like he believes that so much, he would get Cyborg that, that one fight deal. I think because, he says that because, because he has he no interest. Too. That's he has no interest in ever fight allowing Cyborg to fight the UFC again. And I think he said that to bury her on her way out the door. If you watch that fight again, I honestly believe that Joe Rogan and the other announcers were instructed to bury Chris Cyborg on her cyborg on the way out the door. Because if you watch that fight, she beat the fucking brakes off of Felicia. And all you heard Rogan saying was, oh, nice left hand by Felicia. Wow, Felicia sure is tough to take these shots. And Felicia's got a lot of heart. She's winning over all the fans. They were given instructions to bury her on the way out the door because they have a contentious relationship with Cyborg. And I think Dana knew that Cyborg was not coming back for any reason. So they buried her during the broadcast, and then Dana went backstage and buried her on the microphone. And then she did her thing with the releasing the fake video. She can say whatever she wants about how that wasn't her, that was her team. But nobody's going to release shit on my account that I don't approve. You know, you know so what people say, uh, talk about that commentary on that fight. I remember a lot of people were like, oh, they were biased against her and all this stuff. I want to watch it again now because when I watched it, I don't per I don't I never personally took anything that way. And I yeah. always listen to the commentary. But now I feel like I might have missed something. I have to watch it again. Dude, Rogan fucking was all over Felicia. Just talking about how great she is, how tough she is. I mean, she got outstruck one round like 47 to 6, and all you heard was how great her left hook was. I mean, she got fucking wrecked in that fight. Yeah, she got beat up. She got beat up. I I respected her gamemanship. I respected it. But, yeah, I do remember the only thing I thought is that they talked about her gamemanship more than what Cyborg was doing to her. I yeah. remember thinking that. But the, when I was reading on the Internet from – my understanding, a lot of people felt like they were down-talking Cyborg. And when I watched it, I never got that impression personally. Yeah, see, I 100% did. I I walked away from that fight thinking, wow, they just fucking buried her. That, I, I, have to, I have to watch it again. Yeah, it's interesting, man. It, I don't think she'll ever fight in the UFC again. I don't think Dana White is actually being – and here's the thing. You know how you know Dana White's not telling the truth? His fucking lips are moving. That <laughs> fucking guy lies about everything. You don't know what you're getting the straight story from him. You don't know what you're getting from Cyborg. There's her side, there's his side, and there's the truth. But this yeah. is a guy that referred to her as Vanderlei Silva in a dress. And then stuttered and then walked around the stage and did an imitation of her. This is a guy that laughed. When Joe Rogan said to make weight, she cuts off her penis. You know, during his podcast on an airplane, Dana White laughed at that and encouraged that as a promoter of her fights with her under contract 
to him. They have never had a, what you would consider a healthy relationship. Yeah, I, I felt a lot of that stuff was just wrong. It's just shit you don't do to a woman, period. You yeah, know? there's no, it's, there's no need for it. It's, it's, it's not professional in any size, shape, or form. And listen, this is the same guy that goes on the internet and anytime someone says something bad about a UFC card, he calls them fucking goofs and losers and says go watch tennis or figure skating or whatever. This yeah, is but not you a- see, I, I wrote that motherfucker a hell of times like, Hey, what's up with them promise shots in the UFC, motherfucker? What's up with this and that? He don't respond to that. But if oh, no. anybody say anything bad, he, he writes them back like 500 times. It's because he feeds on negativity, man. He's part of the negative machine, the UFC. They, th- they thrive on negative shit. They don't want positive. How many uplifting stories do you see about the fighters and everything? I mean, there are so many fighters out there that Conor McGregor and John Jones – that are out there just doing horrific shit all the time. Yeah. And when, how often do we get to hear the things that Daniel Cormier is doing, you know, for the, his community and his local high well, school wrestling team? Well, they just did to that E60 thing, which I want to see. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? I haven't it? seen it yet either, no. I hear it's good. I, I hear it's really good. I want to see it. I thought it would be on Fight Pass, but these bastards probably trying to make me buy them ESPN2. Like we got <laughs> money out here. For all I know, the UFC, how much money they're taking from fighters, they're probably taking some of my money, and I haven't even signed with them. There you go. They got <laughs> their hand know? in your pocket, too. Okay, hold on. Speaking of Cormier, we got a lead-in to his fight now. <sighs> Cormier, Stipe, too. I don't even want to lead-in. Ah, fuck. Do you know, you and I, it's, it's crazy, because we watched it, like you said, together, and we were both completely dumbfounded about... The change in the fight between the first round and the second round. In the first round, he came out, he low kicked the leg, he got the single leg takedown, he controlled Stipe completely, and then completely abandoned the low kick after that. Completely abandoned the ability to try and shoot for takedowns. He started trying to stalk and walk Stipe down with an 8-inch reach advantage and decided, fuck it, I'm just going to brawl with a guy who's bigger, stronger, hits harder, uh, has a huge reach advantage. It, it, it's, it's, it's like everything good that he game-planned, he just threw away. And then Stipe, man, I'll tell you what, when he went to work with those body shots, you and I were watching it, and it's like, oh, shit, those body shots are paying dividends. And uh, like you, I knew like 45 seconds before the fight was over that it was over. You could see it on Daniel Cormier's face. He's done. He's just fading. He's done. I don't understand Nothing it. Nothing made sense to me. I, I, I was just so upset. And, you know, DC, if I have a favorite fighter right now, it's DC. I like everything that he stands for as a damn human being. Same and here. to see such an uh, incredible person and athlete and do the dumbest shit I've ever seen in recent memory besides that guy that, Fought, uh, what's that, what's that fucking guy name that everybody jumping all over him? The white Shane, Shane O'Malley? Sugar yeah, Shane O'Malley? The guy that, that could have just made him stand up and win a fight but kept going to the ground with him. This yeah. Is the, the second dumbest shit I've seen. And unfortunately, it comes from DC. And you know, like Robert Crazy Bob Cook is a, is a strategical genius. And I'm like, was he not saying anything? Like, I, I would have grabbed him. 
I would have grabbed him, gave him the black power fist straight to his fucking eye in between rounds and been like, get your fucking shit together. Sometimes you need to do that. You got to be like, hey, get your shit fucking together and give somebody the black power fist right in their fucking shit in between rounds. Because you know what? I was watching the embedded at like death o'clock in the morning. And I was and I was like, man, I don't I don't like anything I'm seeing from D.C., I feel like he's going to lose. And I went to sleep and I had a dream that he lost. And then he lost. And it was like in embedded and everything. And even at the wins, he's like, yeah, this guy's saying this. Watch what I'm going to do to him. How can I beat him better than the first first time? This guy's scared of me. Oh, his hands are harder, blah, blah. And I was like, I've never seen DC like this. Usually, besides the John Jones fight, he confident, but he chilled the fuck out. Now he's like talking about how... The guy got bigger and stronger and his hands are hard and he can't beat him any better than the first time. And he's only fighting him because he didn't fight Brock and this and that. And and how can he beat him better than the first time and how he's going to bully him and he can't be touched. And, this. and I was like, I don't, this yeah, don't sound like, like him any other time. And I don't like when people don't sound like they always sound. It's like if I see a dude do a backflip before every fight and he always winning, if I see him fight and he don't do that backflip first you know i'm I'm creole so i'm superstitious i'm gonna be like something wrong here and when i saw him like that i was like this is i don't like this it doesn't seem like the dc that i'm used to seeing before a fight and like you said in the first round he's sticking the jab out he's using head movement his hands are up he's using the one two he's using the inside low kick the the uh the right low kick the single leg to the dunk or the lift actually and i'm like okay to the or the single leg to the high cross to the lip i'm like okay i like this and then the second round, you know, and I mentioned this to you to you the first time, the first fight he lost on the outside, if you remember. Yes. Like he was losing on the outside. And then he put his hands down in that fight. He started grabbing Stipe's hands and Stipe would grab his hands back and he would punch off the grab and he was just walking them down with his hands down, grab, reaching out for his hands. And then he ends up knocking them out. Men, most might not recognize, but he went back to that in rounds two and three. But the difference is sometimes Stipe was grabbing his hands and getting hit because he was doing damage to Stipe. But this time, unlike the first time, Stipe was sometimes grabbing his hands and hitting him. And it started, the discrepancy started to change from grabbing hands and him hitting Stipe more to grabbing hands and Stipe hitting him more. And I'm like, okay, this clearly isn't working this time around number, yeah number one number two why'd you get away like i understand the adjustment in the first fight because you were losing on the outside you had to make an adjustment to try to come back and it worked you were winning on the outside this fight and switched to an adjustment that didn't need to be made that wasn't working and never switched it again which was mind-boggling i can't it help but think i can't help but think that we're going to hear something in the next few days that something happened to him in in the end of the first round or between rounds that he had an injury of some kind that for whatever reason he couldn't throw the low kick anymore. I, I, because nothing else makes sense to me. You have the Dude, blueprint I for I how like you just did it. <laughs> if you did, it's it's very unlike Daniel Cormier. It's it's I mean, I don't know, dude. Dude, I didn't see anything that looked like look injured. Like you remember when? No, Nate I didn't did, either. His mannerisms changed, and we were both like, he "Yeah, I think he's hurt to the body, or 
or like like he twisted a rib or something like something happened or he got hurt with a shot we didn't see you can tell in the mannerism and we knew it was to the body Cormier never showed me any signs that he got hurt by Stipe at that point of switching between rounds or that he hurt himself doing the damage to Stipe in the first I never saw any indication of that it just looked like he (laughs) switched I didn't I didn't either I'm just trying to think of a reason why he completely abandoned the game plan that worked so well for him. And you can Dude, say I give you the reason he smoked that shit that Nate Diaz smoked on stage at the fucking pre workout. Well there you go. That'll do it. You smoke that devil's lettuce and all fucking bets are off. You <laughs> <laughs> smoked that crocodile or so I don't know what happened to D C fucking yep. between you fucking rounds. Somebody gave him that Louisiana fucking juice in his <laughs> water bottle or something or, happened. I don't know. It was bizarre. And then here's the thing. In boxing, they always tell you an absolute no-no is leading with a liver shot. If you remember, do you remember Rashad Evans? KO and Chuck Liddell with the overhand when Chuck Liddell, uh, that with the liver shot. Why did he lead with the liver shot on somebody like 20 feet smaller, shorter than him? And he was able to land it first of all over and and over. And then over and over, a lead liver shot over and over. And it was like Cormier had no answer for it. And then it was like, he's like 20 feet shorter. So he shouldn't be getting liver shot by Stipe anyways. But he did it over and over. And once I saw it happening over and over, I was like, he's going to fucking lose. Because it started looking like it hurt him. And he already had his hands down. If you have a person with their hands up and they get a hard body shot, their hands lower. That's the point of it. So what do you think is going to happen with a person whose hands are down getting the body shot? His hands were like by his fucking nutsack. And then he caught the right hand like 22 times in a row and got finished. I'm like, oh, my God, dude. Yeah, it's funny because we were watching it and my phone just blows up when he loses. And it's just like everyone's like, what happened? What did he do? Why did he do that? It's like, fuck, man, I I wish I knew. It it doesn't make sense to me either. But I guess at the end of the day, you got to give credit where it's due. Stipe, man. Yeah, because he took some shots. Stipe yeah. was taking some shots. He got hurt a few times, but he was like, hey, you know the thing about it is, and, and, and people are like, it's disrespectful, but I don't give a shit, is Cormier didn't lose to a better fighter. He lost to himself. He definitely uh, he definitely put himself in a position to get to have hap- happen what happened. He, uh, yeah. he definitely put himself at a disadvantage after clearly indicating to everybody in the first round that he had the blueprint and understood – what to do to win the fight. And then he just seemingly went away from it for whatever reason and, uh, and got himself, he, he put himself in that deep water and couldn't, re- couldn't get out of it. Uh, yeah, he drowned himself, didn't he? You just gotta wonder too at some point. And again, dude, I'm with you. I'm in the same boat. I love Daniel Cormier. He is my absolute favorite fighter. But you have to wonder at some point at age 40 with the money that the guy has, and with all the other things that he's doing, uh, the commentary, the new show on ESPN, the coaching, the high school wrestling team, you know, a potential offer from an outside company to come do commentary, you have to wonder if his heart is in it as much as it's been in the past. I don't think, dude, I, you know, I was just talking about that on Embedded. I was like, oh, how can I beat him better than the first time? I honestly feel like the only people that that guy should be fighting the only people it's three people to me if brock lesnar appeared just because yeah. it's a payday yeah um francis and ganu 
because he beat Kane and you know how close they are. Yes. That will motivate DC or John Jones. I don't feel like anybody else he should fight because what's the fucking point? As a, there's and no, as a, no point. from a selfish perspective, I don't want him to fight John Jones again because I don't like John Jones at all. And I don't want to see DC lose to John Jones a third time. I don't want to see. I don't it. want to see that light heavyweight. I, I don't want to see, see it heavyweight. ever anywhere at I, anything. See, I would want to see that heavyweight. I would want to see that heavyweight because I'm I'm curious. Like both fights were competitive. I'm curious how a a, a not diminished DC would do against them. I am curious about that from an athletic and competitive standpoint, you know. But outside of heavyweight, I would never want to see that. I don't want to see DC take another fight unless it's with uh, Brock Lesnar. That's the only fight that I would be like, okay, cool, let's see it. I don't want to see him fight John Jones. I don't want to see him fight Ngannou. At, at this point, why? What's the point? The guy's financially secure. He's got all the opportunities in the world outside of fighting. He's got a young mm-hmm. family that he can spend time with. I, yeah. I don't want to see it. I mean, I, I'm, and yeah, don't get me I, wrong. I'm not talking to like a BJ Penn situation where he's lost seven in a row and nine of ten, and I don't want to see him because he's such a diminished form of his former self. We're not talking about Daniel Cormier in that fashion. Daniel Cormier can still fucking fight, obviously. I just don't want to see a guy who doesn't have to fight for the UFC anymore continue to fight. Daniel Cormier's legacy is set. You know, I just walk away from it. That's what I want to see him do. Yeah, I, or, or, I, I actually wouldn't want to see him fight Ngannou. I would want to see him, uh, but but Brock, I would want to see him fight just because I'm intrigued and it's funny and he, I know he would get paid. Yeah, but that's I, the and, that's and the John exact Jones. Just, I would want to see it just because I feel like he got he. Got, you have to try, and you know maybe <laughs> maybe some guys maybe you know maybe as a fighter maybe it's too much. But it's like, fuck, you have to try. You know what? But actually, I, I let me backtrack. Now, I, I guess I don't care if it happens or not because he's lost to someone other than Jones now yeah. at this point. So I don't I don't feel like he has to get it back. If his only loss was still John's, John Jones, I feel like, okay, try one more time. This is I can see that too. You know, but now I can see different. that too. Now I think we're going to see John Jones fight Stipe, man. Yeah, I do too. John Jones is a piece of shit. You remember how he kept talking about he want to go up to heavyweight and do this, and then as soon as DC is the heavyweight champ, he's like, I'm not going to go up there and give him an advantage. Yeah. I was like, okay, John Jones. Okay. Yeah, don't you get know, me that, started on John Jones. I, yeah. I can't stand the guy. And uh, yeah. it's it's so tough, too, because he's another guy. I just respect the shit out of him in the cage and what he accomplishes as a fighter. But as a human being, he's just son, done so much shitty stuff. It's like Matt Hughes. Inside the octagon, I used to love to watch him perform. Outside the octagon, he was a piece of shit. Yeah, I used to like Matt Hughes perform too. I was like, man, I wish I was that strong. Then I realized he was racist. I was like, fuck you. And and then, that's just the tip of the iceberg with Matt yeah, Hughes, man. Yeah, yeah. And then with John Jones, I'm going to tell you like this, man. Can I get racial here? Mr. I'm Rose. not gonna. I'm not gonna. If no. someone's gonna, it's gonna be you. <laughs> okay, you won't do it. Yeah. But I got the black, I got the black card pass, so I'm gonna do Boom. it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. Black people as a whole are always blaming a lack of opportunity or bad shit that happens on white people, and I will tell you some. The media depicts this some 
but you have to be black to know how far it actually goes. You know, like if you are black in the black community, you know how far it goes. Like there are so many, we're not getting opportunities because of white people. White people did this and that. And don't get me wrong. A, a lot of it is fucking true, but <laughs> I will tell you like this. I've been helped by white people more than I've ever been helped by black people. I don't know what it is about black people not helping black people, hating on black people and fucking shit up for black people, namely themselves. And John Jones reminds me of all of that. And it makes me so angry when he first came out. I'm like, yeah, young brother, you out here doing spinny shit, doing this and that. I'm happy for you, brother. Blah, blah, blah. You know, and I'm like, I love black people doing well. I like anybody doing well, but especially black <laughs> people because the media portrays so few is doing anything good. They want everybody to just think all black people like, oh, yeah, they're just niggas. But I, so I like when they doing some good. And I'm like, man, yeah. Then he started being people and lost his fucking mind. And I don't know if you've noticed two things happened in the UFC, and I hate both of them. For some reason, debuting black people, they always put them against a black person. I'm like, there's barely any black people in here. Why are you always putting them against a black person? And then the second thing is, have you ever noticed how many times black people are like in a war with black people in the UFC? Like Anthony Johnson had a problem with Cormier and John Jones and John Jones had a problem with Rashad and Quentin Jackson and Cormier and this and Anthony. And it's like, I'm like, come on, dude. Why, why are you guys not getting along and being like, brother, let me help you out? They always hate, end up hating each other. And then John Jones ends up being and doing exactly what they expect a black person to do. Dumb shit and fucking up his own life. I mean, this guy, God has given him anything. I remember I was like a, a VIP security right in Vegas. Yeah. For all these rich people and like Hakkasan as well, the biggest, which is the biggest nightclub in the world. And John Jones came there, married, high as fuck, coming in. Then he leaves, married, with a bunch of women, high as fuck, leaving out, and on cocaine. So I'm like one of the first people who knew he was doing that <laughs> shit. And I'm like talking to him like, dude, come on, brother, what the fuck wrong with you? Like, go home, be safe. And I'm trying to tell him this black man to black man, and he's like, you beat my friend, Tommy Truix, didn't you? I'm like, hey, brother, I'm talking about you being on fucking cocaine and go home. You're doing dumb shit. And he just keeps bringing up how I beat his teammate. And then he starts threatening to whoop my ass in the club. I'm like, hey, dude, I just shoot you. I ain't going to sit there fighting John Jones. <laughs> don't fucking come up on me. Like, I don't play no games, dude. Like, the fuck? And I'm just like, oh, my God, man. Like, everything you hear, that's, even if you don't want to believe it, it's true. And I'm like, come on, black people. That's why I got to get racial on you here, man. Black people, like, let's, let's fucking stop, man. And I, and I be wishing well. Whenever I see them, I'm like, yeah, I wish that black man well. Then they do some dumb shit, man. <laughs> they do some dumb shit every time. It's crazy, man. They either find black people or doing some shit and then everybody like, yeah, that's how black folks are. I'm like, no, man, we ain't all like that. And then John Jones got to be back in the news 50,000 times doing that shit, man. It's, That's funny. It's bad, man. It's so fucking bad. I feel like he just lent down just the black fucking race. Like, he, you know how much positivity he could give? You know how many 
how many people, brothers I know in different bad neighborhoods that, that could look up to somebody like that and be like, hey, man, those words and inspire me, blah, blah, blah. Instead, they're like, yeah, I want to get a fucking Bentley and have some mistress crashing into a fucking car, looking at <laughs> pregnant fucking women and go run back for the weed instead of helping them. Let me get caught with those picograms. I'm like, come on, dude. And you know what's funny about it is like, on the other hand, you have Demetrius Johnson, who's like a family man, a great guy, never gets into a fucking scrap of trouble. And they hate him. And the UFC shit all over him. They hated him. And I tell you like this, DJ the realest motherfucker I know. I wrote him on Twitter. I said, hey, my son wants to learn how to get into uh into gaming, online gaming, blah, blah, blah. This motherfucker wrote me back long thing. Here's some programs you can start with. Here's the good cameras to get. You need cheaper cameras. Here's this and that, blah, blah, blah. You need any other help? Hit me up. This is that. Anytime I write him, he write back. There's DJ's good people, know, dude. Like Kevin Lee. I've helped Kevin Lee and shit like that hella times. And I write Kevin Lee online and don't even get a fucking response. You know what I mean? And you got dudes like, like Demetrius out there and they hated his guts. To me, my personal opinion, what I was taught coming from the boxing community, pound for pound means, cause everybody got shitty meaning. It means you take this person's current skill and you put it in every single weight class and hypothetically say if they would beat the best of that weight with those skills that they do have that's yes. what it, it was that's what it was taught to me because everybody changes the shit nowadays that's what and boxing community is what made pound for pound that's what i was taught it was that and is in me, my mind what it is too yes to me demetrius johnson is the pound for pound his skills if you took those skills and put it at any division he would win especially the upper ones because nobody could push it together like that and it's like come on man and you treat this dude like he was a leper, you know? Oh, yeah. They they treated him so so bad. And the guy, all he does is fucking win fights, do promotion, not get in any trouble, never puts his fucking dick where it's not supposed to be, never says something that's out of line, and they want nothing to fucking do nah, with him. man. And if he would have got out there and crip walked or blood walked after a fight, they would have been like, man, look at that motherfucker. And they would have kept him, though, if he would have done some dumb yeah. Some dumb shit. And you know what's crazy? I'm a conspiracist here. I feel like my personal opinion is he, is he won the second Cejudo fight. I, I like 100% agree. But I felt like he won. And when it went to a decision, I said, they're going to give it to Cejudo because they don't want this motherfucker as champion anyways. And then he's going to be gone. And look what happened. They gave it to Cejudo and he's gone. And then after he was gone, I was like, watch they keep the flyweight division. And look what happened. They kept the flyweight division. And if people look on my Twitter way back, I was tweeting about all that. I was like, if it goes, but when the fight started, I said, if it goes to the decision, they're giving it to Cejudo. And and then after he was going, DJ was going, I tweeted how they're going to keep the flyweight division. And all that shit happened. Now they got Henry Cejudo talking about he triple C and being a fucking geek. Hey, but l- let me be real, though. Henry Cejudo, that motherfucker gangster, though, when he fight. You know, because I didn't expect him to do that to Marlon Moraes, but, uh, or Marlon Moraes, but, you know, and look, they love him. They love him. Yeah, now he's calling out fucking, uh, Valentina Shachenko. Valentina, Valentina yeah. put the bullet on him, man. Yeah. I'm voting on Valentina if they fight. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I'd like to see it, but it, we'll never see it. But he's just so cringy, man. I just, I, to me, he's another guy. And, and we've talked about this. You know how I feel about it. I don't like make-believe personas. I don't like it. It's stupid. Guys in the professional wrestling do it because they're skilled actors and they can do it. These guys in MMA can't fucking pull it off. And they look nah. horrendous. And it's a, it's a horrible look. It's transparent. It's ridiculous. And I fucking hate it. And that's why <laughs> I can't get behind Cejudo. I can't get behind Colby Covington. As great as they are in the cage, and they are both great, I fucking cringe every time I see them, and I can't stand them. Dude, he came out looking like the fucking Burger King dude. With that rubber snake? And then I was like, this can't get any worse than it is. Then he had like a magic hat with like rabbits and snakes and butterflies coming. I was like, holy shit, what the fuck? I couldn't even believe what I was looking at. I was like, Jesus. And Dana White was like, yeah, yeah, this is fucking great. This is why I love this kid. He has a fucking magic hat. This is great. I was like, oh, my God, dude. Get me on there. Let's get this real shit fucking going. This 41510 fucking shit. I give you something you like. You know, It's like they gave a fucking 12-year-old a gift certificate to Party Plus store. Dude, he looked like a mad hatter out of Beyond the Looking Glass. Yeah, it was not a good situation. It was literally one of the worst things I've ever seen. And uh I, I just, I'm over it. I'm over all of those guys acting like that and doing that shit. Dude, I can't no. stand it. Dan, what about that new shit he does when he looks in the camera and flexes and he starts going, <sighs> like, ultimate warrior? I hate it. I hate that it. Shit's I fucking that should be having me it. laughing though. I'd be like, this shit's too crazy for me, man. I don't even know what I'm watching anymore. I know it. It's, it's, it's just like I just watch it. And I'm just like, first of all, I want to know. I, here's what I want to know when I see stuff like that: Who the fuck is helping him do PR, and how did they get into that line of work? No, what about Eric though? Uh, I don't, I don't remember his last name. His coach that wear the glasses. Uh, oh yeah. Why is he always standing in the background of any interview with two belts over his shoulder? That's I know. Crazy. Hey, I gotta. Hey, you gonna hate me for it? But that should be having me laughing, dude. Cause it's so fucking ridiculous. It is. Oh my god. It is. You're absolutely saw, right. Did you see Henry Cejudo on TMZ? And then his coach was in the background. Holding the two belts like a bodyguard <laughs> even with TMC, dude. Oh, That's just crazy. That is so MMA. <laughs> that is so MMA. If and look at us sitting here talking about it like some jackasses. Yeah, I know. Fuck, man. We're MMA, too. We're just uh, part of the fucking man. problem. We became sheep when we didn't even know it. That's how it yep. gets. We're shining the flashlight on the matrix. fucking circus freaks. <laughs> We got our wires reset. We didn't even realize it. There you go. Man. Okay, so coming forward, what are you looking 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 forward to coming up? Well, obviously I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, fight in Abu Dhabi with Dustin Poirier and uh Habib Namakramedov. I think that's going to be What's your pick? Oh, Khabib. It's always Khabib. Yeah, I, I got Khabib, but I actually think it might be a tough fight. I do too. I th- I think that uh Daniel Poirier, uh, Daniel, what am I talking about? I think of Daniel Cormier. Dustin Poirier is an awesome fighter. I love him. I think he's a great fighter. I think he's a good dude, too, and that goes a long way with me. 
But I just think uh, Habib Nurmagomedov is just on another level. The guy is just fantastic. He I plays game. Fight card. I'm gonna look it up while you're talking. Sorry yeah, it's uh, it's UFC two. It's like in two weeks, I think. It's coming up pretty soon. UFC what two forty two? Two forty two. Yeah, I know that Paul Felder's fighting Edson Barboza, which I don't is a, like that. Why what? Are they again? No, because I don't see the point in them fighting again. Like I like a second fight with people when there's a story behind it. It just seems a weird time for it. You don't you don't feel that way? I mean, I, I agree there's not a lot of build for it, and it's not, in, you know, something that I was knocking down the door to see before they announced it. But I think it's going to be a hell, of a hell of a good fight. Yeah, it will be for sure. Okay, we got, let's see, we got uh, Khabib Poirier. I got Khabib. We got Edson Paul Felder. Who do you have? I got Paul Felder. I got Paul Felder. I do too this time, actually. Yeah. Uh, We got Makachev, Islam Makachev, Davy Ramos. Oh, People dude. sleeping on that one. Yeah, I think that uh, Makachev wins that fight. You do? Oh, man. Yeah, I do. I, I think he does. I think he wins the fight. I don't know, because Davey Ramos, dude, he's a he's like a little lightweight uh, uh, Pajares or something. Yeah, he's you good. that dude is? Yeah, he's ridiculous. That's what that says. Yeah, dudes, they are, they are pretty fucking big. You know what? I might have Makachev in that fight, too, because I think he got the wrestling to keep it up. Okay, Curtis Blades fine now. I don't give a damn. Uh, Same here. Maribek Tysimov is fine. Carlos Diego Fiera. I like Tysimov. Yeah, you and me both. I think he wins that fight. I'm a big fan of his, too. Me, too. I was watching it before. UFC. You know what? We was kicking it out in uh, Huquette together, too, eating dinner together. I was with all the Chechens, you know, because real recognized motherfucking real in them Chechens, the Dagestani real. They was like, all right, we can fuck with this Oakland dude. And I, I, I had a Daniel Cormier moment because we were shaking hands. And I was like, why are your hands that, that hard? <laughs> <laughs> a Daniel Cormier moment. I was like, this hand's hard as hell. That dude, hands is stone, man. But I like I like Tyson Moff. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, Magomed Mastia versus Don Madge. Oof. That is a good fight. I got Mastia. Mastia? Is one of the ways to me that gets no credit. The only person that he fought Rafael, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, my, my dude, my homie manages him. Um, did, oh he, fight him? did he fight Fizia, him? Fizia, yeah. He, Rafael Fizia, oh, yeah. Fizia. To UFC. Yeah. That was uh, his last my, fight. My, yeah. Yeah, my Kyrgyzstani dude. I know his wife and everything like that. And Fiziev is good on the feet. And he blasted him out of the water, man. Yeah. Out of the water. He's he's a fun I, fighter for sure. Yeah, Don Madge is a very good kickboxer. But, dude, yes. that has wrestling and everything. I have that. What else is on there? Balil Muhammad is fighting uh, Takashi Sato. That's interesting. Dude, I'm a big fan of Balil Muhammad. I have been since he came into the UFC. I like him. I yeah. like his style. I like the way he fights. I like his persona. He seems very chill. He's doing it a banger, so that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, that'll be a good that'll fight. What else do we got? We got Nordin, Taleb versus Musala. Dude, I'm going to tell you like this. I'm about to hater shit. Are you going to join me in the haters ball, Mr. Rose? It depends. It depends but, on what you're going to say. But, yeah, I'm not above hating. Yeah, I'm, going, I, I'm going in the haters ball with, with Dave Chappelle right now. So you heard what happened to me with Tough, right? Yes. Why did Nordine Taleb go on Tough, lose, get to go on another Tough, lose, 
and then got signed to the UFC. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't it doesn't pencil with me either. I don't quite understand how that happened. That's a I good point. Hate. I never actually thought about that. But yeah, that's yeah. I, I gotta hate just cause. But I can never it. like him just just after that. I can't yeah. like him. I, don't. I will Plus double down in his shit anyways. But I, even if he wasn't, I can't even like him after that. I'm like, nah, dude, I can't. You know your boy DZ. I can't mess with you, man. It's, I can't I'm, do it. I'll hate with you. I'm on it. I like it. Co-signing. Okay, good. You I'm co-signing. I'm happy. And he's fighting Muslim Salikov. You know the Sandai champion. Yeah, yeah, that should be a good fight. Well, I think this is Muslim's fight back after he got popped for some shit. I yeah, I you probably I think you might be right. I don't know all that off the top of my head. Everybody on that shit, Mister <laughs> Rose. Everybody. Everybody's and on then that we shit. Got Johan Carterwood versus Andrea Lee. I like that fight. Well, let me just say this: If JoJo Calderwood is fighting, I'm cheering for her, no matter who it is. I, I got such a cute little voice. That's why I love that girl. Her voice is cute. She's cute as a button and she's scrappy as shit. She will go in there and bleed and swear and cuss and fight and kick and fucking scrape. I love See, her. You, you more, you more professional here because I'm a pervert. So I just like her cute little voice because I'm a pervert. Yeah. You I know, try to keep I'm away like- from that. If I got perverse. <laughs> I'd get in all kinds of trouble because there's plenty of things about plenty of these women fighters that I like. But. No, but all, all things aside, I, I, I like, I always liked, uh, Joanne Carterwood because I remember when it came to Muay Thai clinch, she was the only woman I seen doing it. Yeah. You know, she was the only woman I seen doing it. And I was like, man, I like this girl. But now my girl is, uh, my two girls that I, I like that I'm fanboying over. Is the little, the little, I don't know if she Brazilian, the bull or whatever from AKA. I don't know who you're talking she, about. She fought, uh, uh, a good fighter. What's her name? Leva Souza or, or whatever. She just fought a few UFCs ago. Oh, oh, they, oh. um, Brianna. Yes. Uh, uh, Brianna Van Buren or something like that. Is her name her, like Bianca Van Buren, the bull or something? And she fought like Liv Souza or Leva Souza, a good a good fighter, and she was all yeah. over. I was like, yeah, yeah Bianca like, Van Buren. That's exactly Dude, right. I was like, who's this girl, man? First of all, you know she had a a, a dunk a padunker dunk, and I'm black, so I'm always looking. And it's all forward motion, punches, kicks, wrestling, strong, unlimited cardio. I was like, who? I'm a fanboy. And then the other one that I was like half a fanboy, and 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 then she just fought again, is the uh the Brazilian that just beat uh T what's her name Tia Torres. Oh yeah, that's uh oh god, I can't remember. Marina Rodriguez or something. Yeah, is that her name? I, I can't. I think I think so. I think it's Marina Rodriguez, the Brazilian. Yeah, Dude, kickboxing. Is is dope. She got like that real Muay Thai. Like I see some of these girls doing here in Thailand. I was like, whoa. And I remember her first, that first fight in the UFC, she fought, uh, I can't even remember her. Long, long old school fighter that used to fight in Bellator that was one of the best from American Top Team whose name slips my mind right now. And was it Jessica Aguilar? Of, yeah, Jessica Aguilar. Yeah, she I remember that fight. Now she beat up. Torres, and I'm like, whoa, 
Yeah, I she even was- wrote on Instagram like I'm a fanboy, and she just put hearts on it. She was like, "You better be." I'm like, "I am." <laughs> I don't got she no looked good on the Dana White Contender Series, too. I remember watching her fight on that. I heard she fought on that. I didn't get to see it. She looked good there, too? Yeah, she got a first-round stoppage in that, I believe. Yeah, she's badass. I like that, dude. Her takedown defense on point, her cardio, she punch, kick, knee, elbow. She got it all together, man. I like her. I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing what both those ladies do. I'm with you. You know what I mean? So we going to wrap up or what? Or you got yeah, let's, let's wrap it up, man. We got more – I mean – there are some good cards coming in the next month or two that we're going to talk about. We got a fight that I'm absolutely excited for, but we don't need to get into that card just yet. But it's Donald Cerrone and Justin Gagey headlining that oh. Vancouver card. I'm looking forward to that too, dude. We that's got, gonna yeah, be next, s- next show. We got to talk about that. Absolutely, and there's a lot of good fights on that fucking card, dude. Yes. yes. So yeah, so we'll, everybody, if you want that trail, you know where to come. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you follow me, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, PlayStation Network, everything at Fallen Angel 510, bringing it to you live and direct. You can check out my fights, my music, everything else. Keep up with your boy. And Mr. Rose? Yeah, follow me, man. Hit me up on uh, Dan Rose MMA on Twitter and follow us on Trill Talk MMA on Twitter. And, you know, you can hit us up on Instagram, also Dan Rose MMA and you know, we'll interact with you guys. That's one thing that we can tell you is if you have a question or if you have something you want to talk to us about, by all means, man, hit us up. We'll get we'll get some questions on the next show maybe. And we're we're here to talk about what's real and what's true, like he said, and we're not gonna candy coat anything. We're not beholden to anybody, so we're gonna speak the truth and say what we want to say all the goddamn time. Yes, sir. And sometimes we will I'm gonna try to work it out with Mr. Rose. I talked to him after this. But I have some a lot of fighter friends. Try to try to get them as a guest. Dan, is it possible to do three people on here? Or just, Hell just yeah, us we here? can get as many people as we want on here. Oh, bars. Okay, well then, people, we're gonna have some guests on here sometimes because I know some people I could get on. So look forward to that, and we will catch you next time, guys. Said. The boogeyman's under my bed. The voices all in my head. They kill my son, now I'm dead. My girl beside me in bed. She placed her hand on my head. I spoke to the devil, he said. I spoke to the devil, he said. The cupboard of chocolate of pills. You never get signed to a deal. Your hustle will never pay off. You'll never be your own boss. You'll never shine like you should. Hard work, it doesn't pay off. It pays if you suck them off. It pays the salad you toss. Your pride is stupid for that. Go ahead, you just be a rat. Step over your brother his back. Just fake like you got his back. Just fake like you really care. Just leave your girl in her chair. Just leave your kid at the stairs. The game is yours if you dare. I spoke to the devil, he said. The boogeyman's under my bed. The voice is all in my head.